You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And uh, again, Jackson, it's been quite some time since our our last podcast, and I think the last time we were here, it was recruiting time, and here we are again, recruiting time all over again, right? Uh, So this time, not such a big class. Uh, We only pulled in four more um, players. Uh, to go over, but that pretty much rounds out their uh, recruiting class right now, unless they drop a few players, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, the roster is pretty full right now, and uh, it was even more full, I think, than I realized when we talked last time in December. <laughs> we, I put together our scholarship distribution chart on the, you can see on the VIP board that goes over the whole roster, who's got how much eligibility left, what scholarships are left, and I'm putting that together thinking, man, the roster's almost full. <laughs> Where are these new players <laughs> going to come from? And uh, they found a few spots here to use um, to get these last four signees. There's also uh, four more preferred walk-on commits. I think three of them are still VIP exclusive. So maybe we'll talk about the other one before we uh, uh, move on from that. But um, yeah, I mean, roster's pretty full. There hasn't been much that's left in terms of a small senior class. There was only 13 seniors. There's only been seven other players that hit the transfer portal. And, I mean, that's 20 guys out, and now they've signed 20 guys coming in. So, I mean, do the math. There's not much room left. and um, But the next portal window will be in May. We'll see players exit at that time. That'll free up room for more players to come in. I've been talking to at least one transfer who is high on Fresno State and is going to take a visit in the spring. So there's still going to be some of that going on. But for the most part, uh, we've got a good picture of the class as to where it stands after this February signing day. Absolutely, and it, and it's right now it's uh, it's a good thing. I I don't think I've I've seen Fresno get a full complete class and and uh, for a while uh, they've always left like one or two spots open, uh, but they filled every single spot this time, um, and so that means that uh, in order for them to add more, they're going to have to drop some players, and there's probably going to have some of that, right, Jackson? Yeah, I think so. Um, you look at even last year. I mean, the team. Uh, doubled 10 wins the I mean the year before last 2022 10 wins Mountain West Championship um, Tedford's first year back all this great stuff there was like 30 players that left that team and, <laughs> yeah right and it didn't really feel like it I mean there was a couple of key players that transferred out the Evan Williams the Josh Kelly's but didn't feel like 30 <laughs> but yeah um, that's kind of just what college football is right now you know if you're not in a starring role and you're not scheduled to the next year a lot of those guys end up leaving and I know when Coach Tedford is here both times, they've had talks about with players, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a path for playing time for you. Maybe that's your top priority to go look elsewhere. And I think with Tedford being ill and away from the team, it looks to me like that hasn't happened yet. Um, There's only been a small number of transfers so far, most of them for playing time, but guys that could probably see the writing on the wall themselves that need to be told. Um, but it gives everyone a fair chance going into spring practice to try to earn their spots. And, you know, the guys that lose out, I think there's going to be, you know, it sounds harsh to, to word it that way, but I think they're going to be some of those talks uh, for guys that 
are on the outs of the depth chart, and that'll free up spots. Especially when you look at one position, you may have a ton of guys, and you, know, you say have two or three of them hit the portal, and then you can use those spots for other positions where you don't have as many. So that's kind of the way it's worked the last few off seasons, and we haven't seen that play out quite yet, but I think we will. Yeah, especially like offensive line. <laughs> uh, that's the biggest uh, position right now that needs a lot of help. Uh, offensive line has been hit and miss for the last couple of years, and uh, they could use a little bit of injection of life these days at that <laughs> position. Uh, it was definitely uh, something that we were able to notice down the stretch with the Bulldogs as the, the linemen were going down and uh, with injuries, and you could tell a big difference of just how uh, the depth chart at the offensive line is, right? Yeah, um, and... The good news is they don't lose many seniors from this last year's team. I mean, there could be a whole starting lineup of not just seniors, but super seniors this upcoming <laughs> year. I think they still want players to come in and compete for those roles. Uh, one of the four signees that are coming in that we're going to talk about is a junior college edition uh, that's going to compete right away. The transfer I referred to earlier, that's Thomas Mirabella from San Diego State. He started for the Aztecs at times, so... Uh, that's still a priority, especially on the interior where they're losing Jacob Isaiah and Tyrone Sampson. Um, so there is a need there. But um, I think probably the biggest thing you're alluding to that I saw was the depth. You know, once Jacob Spomer went down, that was a problem. And yeah. there wasn't really a lot ready to go behind him. Fortunately, uh, Daniel Tamalolo played well the last two games. But, um, you know, and is Spomer going to be healthy by August? I don't know. So yeah, uh, there's some key issues in the O-line, but I think they're going to be okay to piece it together this year. It's just, again, when I was putting that scholarship piece together for the, the VIP board, I'm looking at that O-line and I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> it hasn't been that great. And there's going to be four or five senior starters and they're all going to be gone after 2024. So yeah, uh, they've, I, that's another piece I'm looking at. Most of these guys that they're targeting right now are guys that aren't grad transfers. They have more eligibility for 2025. I think that's almost as big of a need for this team recruiting-wise right now as this upcoming year's team is when you think of it that way. Absolutely. It's going to be uh, it's going to be kind of crazy to see because after this year, like you said, all those guys are going to leave, and then you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> now what? <laughs> you know, so enter the transfer portal. I know it's very difficult to get an offensive line on the tra transfer portal because as soon as one goes on, it seems like all the big boys want to just gobble them all up, don't they? <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. It's very hard to pick up somebody off the transfer portal. So if you don't get them straight out of high school, you're pretty much not going to get them. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to, it's definitely something that they're going to have to look at. Now, that being said, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the players that the Bulldogs were able to pick up right now. There's a total of four of them. And we're going to go ahead and start off with, uh, I, I guess you say P PJ, right? Hmm. PJ uh, Kamuta. Mm -hmm. PJ Kamuda, he's a Ju JUCO transfer, uh, three-star ranking um, uh, on 24-7 sports, and he's out of Fresno City College. Uh, tell us a little bit more about him. I know you got a little bit better background as to where he, what he actually is from because he's playing at Fresno City. Uh, what's, what's your take on him? Yeah, you know, a lot of the players at City College are local guys, but um, PJ which he prefers to be called from my understanding. His first name is Ponafatu. He is from Seattle, Washington, or not, excuse me, Tacoma, Washington. He's from, tight. <laughs> he's from Tacoma, Washington. And um, he is a, a guy that um, was not a highly recruited, recruited person out of high school. Um, 
kind of even stopped playing football at one point and decided to give it another go and it was Fresno City or it was some semi-pro football team in Washington so he, he took his only opportunity basically and went to Fresno City College and it's worked out uh, he's had a really good two years there the first year was you know took some adjusting um, second year had a really good year he had all-american honors out of uh, the junior college level by some outlets and um, just a, a massive guy six foot six 350 pounds my, I mean, uh, we've got our VIP interview with him where you can listen to his story by uh, personally from himself or you can read it. Um, and it, 350 is generous based off of the, the actual <laughs> weight that he gave me in that interview. So if you want to hear more about his story, you can check that out on the website at barkboard.com. But um, really a nice young man um, knows how um, – know how challenging it was to get to where he's at and how grateful he is for this opportunity um he was really really hoping fresno state would offer him he really has liked it around the valley and has gotten real close with some uh, local adventure church and there's uh, some outlets for young polynesian men like himself there that he's really taken to and pretty much his whole circle was just open for Fresno State to offer. He had a Big 12 offer to Houston already on the table, um, Texas State, Eastern Michigan, a whole bunch of FCS schools offered him, but uh, he literally committed to Fresno State the day they offered him, called his parents up, and it was a done deal. So um, as far as him on the field, uh, again, it's a six foot six, 350-plus. <laughs> He's been playing tackle at Fresno City. He's going to look to be a guard for the Bulldogs, and um, it's a guy that does have a redshirt year, so – if he pans out right away, maybe you'll see him in the Bulldogs interior line this season. If not, he's got a year to redshirt and still come back with two more seasons. So a uh, really good setup for him and the dogs with this addition. Absolutely. And we just had talked about uh, adding more depth to the offensive line. Uh, that's that's much needed depth right there. He, he is coming in as a big side of beef um, <laughs> and, uh, and taking up a lot of space on that uh, offensive line. So that's going to be a well- uh, you know, a much needed addition to the offensive line. So it's really, really going to help the Bulldogs out in the long run um, if they can get him up to speed fairly quickly. Uh, the next player on the uh, the list here, another um, transfer. Uh, this one is going to be out of San Jose State, um, and that's Jairus Satelli. Uh, and he comes in as a three-star recruit on 24-7 sports. So... Uh, Jackson, what's your take on him? Of course, this is a, another one of the teams that you cover, so you're going to know a little bit more about him than than usual. Yeah, I do. Um, I got to watch him play at San Jose State, see him practice. Um, he was on um, – he played this last year as a redshirt freshman. He's still a young guy, still developing, but um, had a handful of tackles and played in the majority of the Spartans games this season. Um, the um, – the part that stands out about him is, I think, his story. Uh, he's the son of a former Bulldog who unfortunately passed away um, a little over a year ago, um, Fasatelli, uh, was a D-lineman in the 2000s for Pat Hill. And, you know, he was at a point where he just wanted to kind of follow in his dad's footsteps. And um, that, that was what his biggest priority was. He hit the portal and made the – conversations happen that needed to be happened to get a chance at Fresno state. And, and now he's here. So 
Um, he's excited about that. He went to St. John Bosco for high school, which is, of course, a, a huge high school powerhouse in California, Southern California. But he did grow up in Fresno. He remembers uh, growing up with his mom and dad here in town. Um, they settled here for a while after his college career was done and grew up going to games, basketball games, football games. He remembers that So uh, before they moved down to SoCal. So uh, a neat story and a guy that has size. He's 6'1", 285, and – um, you know, has a chance to really develop into something here, give some immediate depth. He's got two years of D1 experience in terms of being in a program at least. So, um, And, of course, the Bulldogs could use some help at defensive tackle. They're losing Johnny Hudson. Everyone else is pretty much back, but um, we saw the drop-off from Hudson <laughs> last year, and yeah. uh, they're going to need some extra guys to compete and push each other. So uh, Satelli comes in. He's got three more years of eligibility and a uh, chance to contribute whether it's sooner or later. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, it's going to be good to have uh, more players on that defensive line. Cause right now the Bulldogs have been able to year after year, come up with a a good defensive line um, on defense uh, to really help them, uh, you know, elevate on the defensive side of things. Um, So having him come in and shoring that up is definitely going to be a good thing for the Bulldogs. Yeah, one other thing I want to mention about his dad, Faisatelli, um, that I learned recently. Um, I mentioned I got the interview with Kamuta coming up on the board, or it's already on the board. I got a lot of more interviews I'm working on right now. I talked to Satelli himself about all this, but I also talked to uh, Jordan Malaulu, and I didn't know this. He's a cousin of Satelli's. He is the um, nephew of Faisatelli, so uh, they're – Jordan and Jairus are very excited to play each other with each other and be at the same school. And um, that's a kind of a neat side story about Jairus's addition as well. Yeah. That's going to be good to have them uh, together. Uh, I mean, uh, who wouldn't want to play with somebody they already know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but moving on uh, the next player, a uh, defensive end, uh, Corey Foreman uh, transfer out of USC. And he has a four-star ranking at 24 seven sports. And this one was a huge land for the Bulldogs, right, Jackson? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a, he was a five-star recruit out of high school. He was one, two, or three in the nation overall, depending on where you looked and when you looked. Uh, he still finished, I think, number two in the nation by 24-7 sports of every recruit in the whole country. I mean, so this is as big as it gets. There's never been a player at Fresno State who had that kind of hype out of high school ever, and there probably won't ever be. I mean, if the only other option is to get the number one guy, and I don't know that good luck with that happening. But uh, he spent three years at USC – he played significantly, consistently. He was in 26 games. He had 25 tackles, four and a half for loss, two and a half sacks. He had an interception even. You know, it's not huge numbers for two-plus seasons, but just to be in that role at USC as an underclassman, remember, too. I mean, most of those stats are coming when he's a freshman and a sophomore. Uh, does tell you that he might not have been the number two player in the nation in reality, but... Still is pretty solid, and is still a guy 24-7 sports has as a four-star transfer. Um, he is one of the top-ranked defensive ends in the portal, and he's coming to Fresno State. So, I mean, big news there. The Bulldogs have some work to do. They lose Isaiah Johnson to graduation. Felt like they never quite exactly replaced David Perales even last year after losing him the year before that. So uh, whether Corey Foreman comes in and he's the guy and 
lives up to the hype or maybe if he's just a part of the rotation. Either way, I mean, this is a very promising addition uh, because also he redshirted last year, kind of saw the writing on the wall that he wanted to get out. Uh, he did save a year of eligibility, so he's got two to play for the Bulldogs. And as an upperclassman, as a pretty finished product, um, he's got Gabriel Lightfoot here, who he was teammates with in high school. I've uh, been hearing a lot of the other defensive linemen are familiar with him. A lot of those SoCal guys are connected. So uh, it seems like a good fit, right? both for him personally and some of the things he's had to overcome, as well as Fresno State just getting a big-time player flat out. <laughs> so it yeah. uh, looks good for the dogs there. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good fit. I mean, to have uh, that kind of talent on the defensive line, that's it, it's shaping up to be a very good defensive line coming into this next season, Jackson. If you were, if he's going to be starting, uh, that's mm-hmm. definitely going to be a great addition for the Bulldogs. Lots of speed on the outside to come in and uh, go after that quarterback. So, um, yeah, uh, that's definitely a great addition for the Bulldogs. Next up, uh, cornerback Carmen Cole, um, and he is a three-star recruit from 24-7 Sports, and uh, he comes out of Texas, Jackson. So uh, what do you know about him there? Yeah, not a lot yet. <laughs> I still got some work to do with Cameron Cole. He's kind of came out of nowhere uh, just this last couple of days. Um, didn't know much about him at 24-7 Sports. Kind of leaked out that he was committing. We got the scoop on that a few days ago and um, made it official on signing day with the signature. And uh, didn't have a lot of other offers, you know. And usually, when you get someone who is kind of off the radar and didn't know much about, when that recruiting ranking gets logged in by twenty four seven Sports, usually it feels like you're going to see maybe an eighty, an eighty one, an eighty two type of score in the three star tier a guy that probably is rounding out the class at the bottom. But if you go to barkboard.com and you go to the football recruiting drop down and you click commits, he's going to be the number one guy you see in this class right now. <laughs> Cameron Cole is going to be the, the at the top of that list. He's an 87 rating, which uh, there's no precedent I can remember for Fresno State picking up a late guy and getting such a favorable rating. And other people I'm talking to just love his film. They're, everyone's just saying – where did this guy come from? How did no one else find him? I mean, there's a ton of schools in Texas. And I remember the Deruder days when the Bulldogs were <laughs> recruiting a lot of Texas players. It seemed like every single kid Fresno State recruited out of Texas had Lamar and like UTSA and Texas State and Sam Houston. Like all those offers were on that list. But uh, Cameron Cole just had two other offers from Texas State and Missouri State. And Texas State, I believe, just jumped – or. You know, th- those were just within the last month, too. Um, a lot of D2, D3 offers, some schools I never heard of on his Twitter profile. So, I mean, this looks like a big steal for Fresno State. He's very fast, very athletic. I think a very easy comp- uh, comparison is Tank Kelly, who was also a guy that was kind of underrated out of Texas and became a really good cornerback for, cornerback for Fresno State, a guy that was thought to have really high athletic ability and Kind of took him a little while to settle in, but his last couple of years at Fresno State, he was a really good cover corner. So I think Cole coming in, you know, he has a chance to make an impact. Uh, and what I'm really curious about is, and the Bulldogs have a lot of corners in this class. So he's like the fifth. So yeah, the fact that they even used the scholarship for him has to tell you something, that they think he's he could be a real difference maker. Um, they've got Jordan Piero. 
They've got uh, Loyal Muzan, um, Keontre Harris, and the junior college cornerback, Jakari Embry. All five of those guys are listed at cornerback right now. So um, it's a thin position for Fresno State, but I didn't expect to see five guys come in and not four high schoolers either. Well, there's the opportunity of maybe switching, uh, switching one of those guys over to free safety or even to um, – to strong safety uh, if need be. So that, that could be an option of why they picked up so many cornerbacks, right, Jax? Yeah, I think the big one is probably, um, I mean, that could be the case too. We've seen them kind of switch guys back and forth there the last couple of years, but nickelback is a position I'm kind of scratching my head at too because Maurice Norris is gone. Justin Houston's coming back from injury, but even when he was healthy, this staff played him at linebacker. The one time they really used him in 2022, he was ineligible for a lot of that season and, we didn't see him play a lot, so um, and there's not much depth there. So, I mean, there's opportunity for one of these cornerbacks to end up there too, and if not be a contributing player right away, to maybe be a second or third teamer. Where there's going to be a lot of competition at cornerback right now. <laughs> I, I, that's good to hear because that's uh, uh, in the past that used to be one of uh, their uh, it used to be one of their strengths. And also one of their weaknesses. <laughs> uh, so right now, uh, I, I'm curious to see which direction it's going to go in. Right now, I'm kind of favoring towards it's going to be one of their strengths but with all of the uh, activity they had at that position. How they're going to distribute these players, <laughs> that's a different story now, right, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and um, I think some of them, uh, pr- they'll have time to develop, I think, especially some of the local guys uh, might be able to use a red shirt and, and get some development under them. But I was really excited going into this past season about Carlton Johnson and Azdillian or Carlton Johnson and Cam Lockridge being the starting cornerbacks, the way that they finished 2022. I mean, that was some of the best cornerback play I've seen. And we didn't get that. Unfortunately, Cam Lockridge got hurt early in the season and um, good news is he comes back this year, but you lose Carlton Johnson. Uh, you had Azillian Hamilton get some, Games under his belt, he looked pretty decent by the end of the year. Uh, Julian Neal got some playing time. But my big question was, what's going to happen after Lockridge and Johnson are gone? And it's feeling better now after this class is coming. And, They've answered and, your question. Especially half the question remains unanswered since we're going to get another season of Lockridge. So a little <laughs> bit of a, a blessing in disguise on that one. Yeah, that's definitely going to be... Uh, it's going to be fun to watch how the this group of players comes together. What they're going to do with these with these newcomers, um, you know, if they're going to switch them around in positions. I mean, we all we both know uh, Tedford loves to take players that are in a different position and move them somewhere else, and he does that every single year. Um, and for whatever reason, always finds the magic recipe. Uh, to put them in the right place. So uh, that's going to be a little bit more of that. So we're going to have to take come kind of t- take a, a while just to see what happens. As soon as we hit spring, you might start to kind of get a little bit of a an idea what's going to happen, right, Jackson? Yeah, um, that's the hope. You know, there's we're going into spring and we're not even 100% sure what's going on with, with the coaches right now, unfortunately. So, you know, hopefully that's resolved and – uh, it'll be clear by the time we get to spring ball and it'll be business as usual. But, um, you know, with everything going on, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it's a little <laughs> a little more uh, closed off than we're used to seeing. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> no media access. <laughs> it, it may happen again, folks. Don't be surprised if they close access for us. Um, but, you know, that 
you know that pretty much does it now you, you now you have a clear picture of the overall class jackson and so you've gotten a little bit of time to t- kind of take it all in and what's your overall feel of of how this class uh came shaped out to be yeah it's a i think it's a good class i think it's a very promising high school class right now um it's always good it's yeah always, i mean I think, that gives them four years to develop yeah and absolutely i think if this was five, six, seven, eight years ago, I'd be saying, heck yeah, this class is awesome. But, you know, there is a factor of, it's not quite how college football works as much anymore. It's a lot more about, it's, it's all about free portal. agency yeah, these exactly. days. And right now the Bulldogs only have two transfers. And I, as mentioned earlier, I think when May rolls around, we're going to see a pretty big number of players exit out and therefore a pretty big number of transfers and junior college recruits come in and, we'll have a better idea of the needs that Fresno state has after spring ball two and where they need to fill guys in. And I think at that point that's shifted so much to the immediate need of recruiting that we'll have a better idea of what to think of this class. But in terms of just the high schoolers, which is the very large majority of this class, um, 15 of them are high schoolers. There's three junior college recruits and two transfers. And I, I will say of the five non-high schoolers in this class, they all do fit needs. Kamuta is going to compete on the interior line. They brought in Jakari Embry to potentially compete for a starting job at cornerback. Kareem McCune could be the guy that replaces Eric Brooks and or Jalen Gill. Um, Corey Foreman and Jairus Satelli, I could see them both playing this year. So the five guys they do have are solid, but I think we're used to seeing 10-plus of these guys <laughs> Uh, by the time it's all said and done, and I think that will eventually get there. But the high schoolers, I mean, 15 guys, eight of them are, I believe, Valley recruits. They got like eight of the top 11 or 12 guys in the Valley, which is amazing. Um, there wasn't necessarily an Xavier Worthy or a Caleb Kelly, a guy that was just untouchable for Fresno State, and that helps, but it's still pretty impressive to get that many. And a bunch of guys that could have gone elsewhere, Marshall Sanders, could have gone to a lot of formerly Pac-12 schools. Um, Logan Stute as well had a lot of those opportunities. Um, Bryson Donaldson was a guy I didn't think they were going to get, and they did get him. And he was kind of the cherry on top, too. Everyone, they had like seven local guys that said, come on, let's get Bryson Donaldson in here, too. And they made it happen, so that was big. Uh, I think the positions as well. Um, Donaldson adds to a big running back class from last year. You've got... Uh, three strong slot receivers coming in. Marcel Aikens, the local offensive lineman, adds to that mix. Um, did a good job at defensive end with several additions. The linebackers, Titus Kajavi, Logan Stute together. I love that duo. Uh, the defensive backs, we talked about how many cornerbacks they got. So um, I think this is a solid core of guys that could really you know, be the center of the team in two, three, four years. But um, what does this class mean for the 2024 Bulldogs? That you know, is, I think, still to be determined by how the next couple of months go. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, this is shaping out to be a very good class. I mean, just the fact of having this many local guys actually commit. I don't think I remember the last time there was this many local guys on a on a recruiting class, Jackson. It's been quite some time. Yeah. Um, Definitely not since COVID. I mean, in total, there's, there was, I remember doing some stories like 2017, 2018, when Tedford was really bringing in a lot of local recruits at that point that, and I was making a list of 15 to 20 guys that were going 
at least D1, whether FBS and FCS, maybe you had to include some FCS guys to get past 15. But um, the COVID years, I think, really hurt the Valley. It's the recruiting game these days. You've got to get on the radar early. You've got to get noticed. you got to go to camps and go to tournaments. And uh, the last couple of classes of local players didn't get that opportunity to do that in their freshman, sophomore, even eighth grade years, as silly as that sounds. Um but this class is almost to the point where they've got the full experience. They had the time and the opportunity to get noticed and the ability to invest in themselves with a lot of impressive local coaches and mentors that make that happen. And this is the product. You've got eight local Bulldogs coming in and uh, another decent amount of local recruits that are going to FBS schools and or FCS schools. Uh, they didn't, again, lose on many of them, but – uh, got one going to Washington, one to Washington State, one to Boise State. Uh, otherwise, everyone else is staying home. So uh, an impressive job by both the staff to get these guys in, but also the community to produce this number of players in the first place. Well, and now that brings me to what exactly is it that the Bulldogs now need? What is What is their biggest need after taking a look at this draft class? I think slot receiver is still one that they would like to add at that. Even though they have three in now, um, they're going to get two in for uh, spring practice to enroll early. Uh, Jordan Malaulu and Kareem McCune are going to be on campus and competing. So they'll get an idea if one of those guys might be ready to fill a role, but uh, they've been hosting other transfers and they haven't succeeded yet on getting one of them. So that's a key spot and defensive, um, excuse me, offensive line, as mentioned, they're going after transfers right now. And I think that'll be a big one where once the portal opens up in May, they're going to be searching for new transfers that they can go after. Um, Those are the two biggest ones that I see Fresno State actively working on. Uh, I think otherwise, it's probably going to be a wait till after spring camp to see what positions didn't pan out or if someone gets hurt in spring all of a sudden and it becomes a need. Um, I think they've got a lot of positions in pretty good shape. Um, just kind of running down the list in my mind. There's not a lot of other red flags on this roster other than maybe backup quarterback. You know, you want to make sure Jaden Mandel or Joshua Wood secures that spot in the spring. Um, maybe you do need a veteran player to back up Mikey Keene this year, but um, that's kind of a, one of those wait-and-see positions too. Yeah, I mean, that quarterback position, all, you know, definitely right now, I mean, you've got Mikey Keene at the starting role, but uh, who backs him up? Uh, who's going to emerge? Uh, that's uh, that's going to be the next story. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of people in the Mandel camp pushing for Mandel to come in and, and really secure that position. Um, but he's, you know, he, he has a little bit of catching up to do, even though he came in early. And he was actually looking pretty dang good, wasn't he, Jackson? Yeah, I like Jaden Mendel a lot. And I think there's a lot of support and progression for him to naturally be the backup for this team in 2024. You also have to wait and see what Joshua Wood is when he comes back from surgery. He had surgery in August, and he's been rehabbing. So there hasn't really been a chance for Wood and Mendel to be head-to-head yet. So... Uh, we got to wait to see what happens when those two are head to head. And then again, just because one of them wins that battle doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to be the backup. Um, you know, they could go out and get an older player, but 
hopefully they come out of spring and fall feeling confident that one of those two guys can get the job done. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to be uh, something to, to watch on that quarterback position. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it's a good problem to have right now. Uh, a little bit of depth. Uh, hopefully we can get it uh, squared away before things get uh, uh, a little, uh, you know, where players need feel the need to leave. Uh, but, you know, also, you know, since the last time we got on the podcast, Jackson, there was a little bit of a uh, bit of news that happened, and that's on the coaching side of things. Uh, and no, it's not about Tedford. Uh, it is about the offensive line coach. They were able to come up with uh, a solution to, uh, to, to the next offensive line coach, and uh, they didn't have to look too far, did they, Jackson? No, they did not, and it's probably the most encouraging thing about this hire is that they're bringing in Matt Smith to be the O-line coach and hopefully he'll want to stick around and be the guy for a long time because uh, this is now three straight years in a row where they've had three different O-line coaches. You've also got the fact that Smith has been here since 2016 and either as a player or as a graduate assistant, he knows every one of those offensive linemen personally. Now he's recruiting the current guys that are coming in. Um, he's obviously well connected to Fresno State and would seem to want to be here for a while. Uh, so hopefully that brings stability to the room. But it also, you know, they it's the position that hasn't gone all that well for several years. And, you know, is he prepared to handle that? Is he going to be the guy that turns it around? You know, uh, they hired a lot of a lot more experienced guys than Smith the last several years, and none of them <laughs> really turned things around the way that we were hoping they would. So. Hopefully he is the guy. Maybe he'll be more invested. Maybe he'll be hungrier. Um, and as I talked about earlier, there's a lot of seniors on this team on the O-line. So on one hand, that should make Smith's job a little bit easier. He's got kind of a finished product, for better or for worse, that he's going to be working with this year. Um, but is he going to be ready to overhaul that line next year when you're going to have to replace almost every single starting position? Uh, that's going to be a tough one too. So. Uh, I'm very happy for Matt Smith that uh, his journey at Fresno State has been really neat to watch from walk-on in the Deruder years to scholarship team captain in the Tedford years and I mean to he's just a grad assistant now he's on the staff all within a seven eight year window I mean it's bizarre almost <laughs> what a climb he's made and it's really neat to see and i hope it works out here and he started at fresno city didn't he i mean uh, he um it was a he was a juco transfer uh, he, he came in as a a walk-on freshman oh okay um, i i was thinking uh, of somebody else though but a walk-on freshman that's even uh, yeah <laughs> i mean didn't even come in with a scholarship yeah undersized i mean never there, there was no projection of him becoming a starter like he did and he <laughs> proved everyone wrong. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll prove any doubts wrong about his abilities as a coach too. Now, after that, now we need to address the other elephant in a room when a coaching wise, uh, everyone keeps asking questions about Tedford, uh, and his, uh, possible return or departure, uh, so to speak. And, uh, let me guess, Jackson, you have nothing to report. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can share that he is back in the offices. He's helping with recruiting, working on day-to-day -day tasks, things that 
he's healthy enough to handle right now for sure. Um, first and foremost, hopefully he's improving and he's gotten whatever he needs done and that he'll be ready to go for the Bulldogs and that he'll live for, I mean, just it's scary, hard stuff. You know, you just hope that he's in good shape and he's going to live a long time and be a happy guy. And hopefully that means being the Bulldogs head coach too. Um, but you also know the um, the responsibilities and the stresses that come with coaching this team in August, September, October are much different than January and February. So uh, I think it is set up pretty well, though, that uh, he's going to have all this time to heal and recover and get ready. And, you know, hopefully by July and August, he's ready to roll. Um, you know, I'm not s- certain what would happen if the season happened right now, but um, everything is positioned for him to be in back in his role uh, once the season begins and hopefully he's ready to handle it. And if not, very thankfully, Tim Skipper just absolutely rocked the New Mexico bowl. And uh, I think everyone's on board if he has to step in. Um, but again, everything I'm hearing from Tedford's side seems to indicate that he's going to be coaching the team this year. It's just, um, is that <laughs> hopeful or, you know, or is that a projection or is that truthful right now? I, I don't really know for sure. And, Tedford has not said anything publicly about it, so it's really speculation until he says something himself, I guess. Well, if you think about it, there's only three possible scenarios. One, he comes back, coaches right away. Two, he takes a year off, comes back, and coaches. Three, it's all smokescreen, and he leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what You kind of have to take the news with, with a grain of salt because – they're not going to tip their hat, are they, Jackson? Yeah, that's that's another thing too. <laughs> I mean, even the information that is coming out, it's know, very it's very strategic. Yeah. So the one thing that we know for sure is that Fresno State has not said anything publicly about this, nor has Tedford. And um, I have talked to sources within the team, players, you know, that I've happened to run into, and they say that he's back and as far as they know he's okay so you know as close as i can get that's what i'm hearing and that's good news but um again i just don't think there's any way to know right now until um till for a few months when it kind of becomes real football if he's gonna be ready because we've we just went through this last summer he said he wanted to coach 10 years and four months later he has to step away so um yeah, you just hope for him that everything's resolved and he's okay. And the cherry on top is that he gets to coach the Bulldogs, as we are, we all hope is the case. Yeah, we're definitely that's definitely something that we will keep an eye on if it develops. Uh, right now, there is no news, and you know what they say: no news is good news. I guess uh, so. Until until something develops, it's all speculation at this point. Uh, but we will make sure that we kind of dig into that as uh, much as possible. Now, Jackson, before we get moving on further into the podcast, any any news about the Bark Board or special uh, deals or anything going on right now? Yeah, right now, um, we had a special for signing day. Hopefully, people took advantage of it. Um, if not, we have a few things going on right now. It's just a dollar to join for your first month. As mentioned, um, we've got a lot of interviews coming with these commits that have signed up with the dogs. We've got some exclusive news about the preferred walk-ons that have joined the team as well. A couple of players that left the team before are back. We got the scoop on that too. So 
Um, again, it's just a dollar for your first month if you want to join, uh, or you can join for a whole year for 30% off and get to hear from these recruits themselves about their story and um, you know, what they want to bring to the program. Absolutely. So if you haven't done so already, head on over there. Uh, of course, there's going to be a lot more coming through the pipeline as we get closer uh, to spring. Uh, that's when uh, a lot of the football news is starts to gear back up again. Now, Jackson keeps trying to get more and more content for you. But uh, like right now, it's kind of what we like to call the dead period, <laughs> but he does, he does the best he can to get as much news and updates for you on uh, Fresno state football. So uh, next Jackson switching gears a little bit, we're going to head into some other sports. You know, we're going to touch upon a little bit about basketball right now. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, after being there so far this season, uh, not exactly the most stellar season happening for the Bulldogs right now. What's your overall take and the future of Fresno State basketball? Yeah, the Dogs they're sitting at ten and thirteen overall, um, three and seven in Mountain West play, which that that's the the uglier number. But all, all things considered, this conference is really really good. Um, there's probably going to be four NCAA tournament teams, uh, if not five, that come out of the Mountain West. Uh, the top six or so are all really strong. Um, it's hard to fault the Bulldogs for being where they're at, but I, I did feel pretty confident that there was enough on the table for the Bulldogs to get one of these big wins at home, and it hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it does. Uh, they got smoked by Nevada. They got smoked by Colorado State. Um they gave Boise State a fight, but they lost that one too. Uh, so they've got Boise, uh, excuse me, San Diego State and Utah State still on deck at the end of the month. They're both ranked, and uh, that game against the Aztecs on February 24th, you really hope that's the one. Um, they've got Rod Higgins coming in uh, to have his jersey retired that night, and they're also going to have, um, I mean, that's going to be the first ranked team to come in all season. Colorado State dropped out of the rankings right before they showed up, so uh, hopefully the Aztecs remain in the top 25 and hopefully that's a game where a lot of the red wave comes out to celebrate Higgins and see if the Bulldogs can pull that game off. It's going to be nationally televised. Um, but in general, this team has not turned a corner. Unfortunately, it's um, becoming very clear. We're headed to a change at the end of the season. Justin Hudson's contract expires at the end of the year. And I'm not sure why if, they continue on this path he would be extended or renewed after two losing seasons so uh, i think you know, by mid-march after the mountain west tournament we'll probably be talking about a uh a coaching search and that's gonna you know i hate to say it hopefully draw a lot more interest back into fresno state basketball because i think we've seen a portion of the fan base kind of check out this year it feels like a lame duck season and it's headed that way uh, eduardo andre is now likely out for the season and that's a big loss for the team it's hard to see them um, putting it all together without him on the floor so uh, that's kind of where it is right now it's you know we got to ride out the rest of the season and you know fingers crossed you hope for the best for coach hut and these guys that they do go they get hot they go on a run they make some noise in vegas for the mountain west tournament but um this conference that the top five teams are just on another level and probably the next three after that probably have a pretty decent gap in front of the Bulldogs too. So uh, it's a tough road ahead for these guys. 
Yeah, it uh, definitely hasn't been the greatest of uh, seasons. It hasn't been very great for the last few years. Uh, so it is time for a coaching change. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they can bring in somebody that's going to draw uh, better players, maybe draw a, a crowd or something. Uh, you, you almost want to see if uh, you almost – you almost want kind of like a almost like a another type of Jerry Tarkanian yeah. kind of a coach to come back in here again, uh, and just kind of fire up the crowd. But um, yeah, that's I mean, the challenging part because who are you going to go pick up? There's no Tark, but there's not even like a <laughs> a, a halfway version of Tark, you know, there's right? The, the I think there's been a bit of a disconnect. I think you know from the Tark years to now, there's been. Some years that have been good. Ronnie Terry got the team to the tournament, but um, you know there hasn't been that big buy-in yet, and therefore there hasn't been many names that have branched out from the former players or former coaches that are like no-brainers. Like Tark was a former Bulldog. So um, Shante Leggins is one guy that's out there. He's doing pretty well as a head coach. Uh, Quincy Pondexter, who ironically did not come to Fresno State, does not have those connections. He'll say that... Uh, it's kind of because he wasn't recruited hard enough to come here that he wasn't a bulldog, but a lot of people in Fresno know Quincy Pondexter. And um, so that's maybe one of those names that could make that happen after his career at Memorial and being in the NBA for so long. Now he's an assistant at Washington. Um, Dance Wahlberg is a name that a lot of local basketball circles love. He's at Clovis West, which would be a unusual hire, but he has a lot of college experience, um, has a long resume behind him, and is still beloved by certain people in the Valley. So um, I think other than those three, I mean, it's going to be hard. Um, the yeah. question is, does that extra bonus you know, jump them ahead of coaches that might have better resumes that people don't know here? <laughs> is it, right. is it easier to sell the Valley on one of those guys than maybe a very successful coach who they've never heard of before? I think that's going to be a – a task to, to deal with in the Valley or in the coaching search, because it would be really nice to hire a name that people got excited about and came out next season. But I think probably the more realistic path is that it might be a rebuild. Fortunately with the transfer portal, you can get it done in one off season, but <laughs> you know, it might, it's going to take some on the court production to produce some fan interest. I think instead of that one name that just automatically brings people in. Yeah, you need a coach that's going to come in, get upset with the ref, and kick the ball across the <laughs> across the court. <laughs> you know, one that's going to come in and make a spectacle to get the the butts in the seats. I don't know. Uh, I'm just spitballing here, uh, but yeah, a little life in the Bulldogs wouldn't hurt. Uh, somebody that would come in and and really uh, ensue his presence as soon as he walks in. Uh, you know, but like you said, there really isn't much out there to that mm. in you know just inspires us as a, a, a coaching hire so um we'll yeah, see there, there's not a, a jeff tedford equivalent that, <laughs> but you know maybe the the kalen DeBoer is out there the guy that even if it's short-lived can just the, the guy who shows up for one season and heads out again you know if, if he gets the bulldogs to the big dance i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know it, it is going to be a little bit of a search um jackson of course is is ready mm. uh he knows that as soon as the season is over he's going to be uh he's going to be a busy guy on the on the basketball circuit 
Uh, so we'll definitely keep you up to date as things happen. Um, uh, don't be surprised if there is a um, impromptu uh, podcast on, on coverage <laughs> of that. Uh, so we will definitely keep a, an eye on that and let you know what happens. Now, in other sports, Jackson, of course, you know, there's been a little bit of success with water polo. So we felt the need that we actually kind of had to cover it a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm all up for covering other sports that draw interest and this water polo team has drawn interest. I see it on social media. I mean, it's an easy sell on social media to say Fresno state beat the number one team in the nation. And they've gotten to do that twice in the last couple of weeks. Um, they're a team that is now ranked number three themselves. It's, you know, not quite the same as football or basketball. It's kind of a regional sport. There's not as many teams, but, um, you know, they are, they're there <laughs> regardless. Uh, they beat number one Stanford in a very close game, 11 to 10, a couple of weeks back. More recently, they beat a uh, number one ranked USC team, eight to seven, also a close one. So, um, you know, this team is getting people to kind of become aware. I mean, they've haven't, they've only been on campus for a few years. Um, it's a team that came in after lacrosse was removed. So it's, it hasn't been here all that long, but Coach Benson has just been, I mean, doing a tremendous job. Last year they made a, a solid run in the postseason. So, you know, I think people are now interested in seeing, at least on social media, what the volleyball team is doing. And hopefully that trickles into people wanting to actually go to Cedar and Barstow to the Aquatic Center and see what it's all about. Uh, maybe people, I know a lot of people probably aren't all that familiar with water polo. I know in high school we had a team and I was – Knew what kind of what the gist of it was. I kind of seen it on the Olympics, uh, but it's, it's soccer and water. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, with a mixture of hockey. Uh, it, it's nice that we have this program here, though, because I know that there's a lot of talent in the valley. It's a sport that is big in Clovis, at least that I'm aware of from growing up there, and. Um, Makes a lot more sense than lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> right? That one that one made me scratch my head how they brought back lacrosse, but they didn't bring back uh, I don't know, men's soccer. Yeah. I mean, that one still irks me a little bit. I wish we had a men's soccer team here. Um, I think uh, in today's day and age it would draw a bigger crowd than the lacrosse team did. Mm. Um so but that's just my opinion and that's another story for another day um, while we're at it let me make sure if you're interested in going to watch water polo the team is going to be home for two games february 16th at 6 p.m and uh february 17th at 11 30 a.m and they're playing fresno pacific and whittier college which don't sound like usc or stanford so <laughs> hopefully there'll be a pair of dominant wins and you'll have a good time and you'll get to learn about water polo a little bit I'm thinking I'm going to stop by there, too, because I know that is the opening weekend for Fresno State Baseball. Oh. I'm going to be across the street anyway for you're, a lot of that weekend. You're going to so. do a doubleheader. Yeah, I'm going to go check things out and make my first stop over there, see what, what it's all about. Well, that sounds good. I may I may end up joining you. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, but not only uh, did we want to touch upon water polo, but we also wanted to uh, touch upon a couple more sports, first of which uh, women's softball. Um, getting ready to start gearing things up um, and uh, supposedly are supposed to have a, another good team this year. Right, Jackson? Seems to be turning that way. You know, hopefully um, you know, the, the new coaching staff 
had a rough first year two years ago. It seemed to kind of get it back in gear last year, and hopefully they can continue upward. I mean, we're all so used to softball just dominating and being a <laughs> national contender. and Year after year. Yeah, the last two years haven't been the case. So um, hopefully they're getting closer to being that. Um, season actually starts tonight at 6 p.m. Pacific time if you're listening to us today on Thursday, February 8th, if you're listening to us. After that, uh, they're home all weekend for the Fresno State Kickoff Classic. So uh, they're playing South Dakota State again on Friday at 5 p.m. They've got Santa Clara Saturday at 2.30. Uh, Cal State Bakersfield doubleheader Saturday at 5.30. Uh, Sunday at 1 against Santa Clara. So basically, if you go out to Margie Wright Diamond at some point this weekend, you'll probably see the team in action for this first weekend. And uh, taking a look at the field, hopefully it's a – a fruitful outcome for that team. Yeah. Softball has always been uh, one of the staples here at Fresno state. They've always been able to be very successful and, and really get things going. But like you said, the last couple of years, it just hasn't been there. Um, I think one of the reasons was finding the right fit at the coach uh, coaching position. I think they might've finally started going in the right direction, uh, so to speak. Um, And so uh, softball could start to turn a corner here so this could be a very good season or not we'll see <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, uh be very uh you know crystal ballish right now and say that they're going to win but you know it's it's shaping up to be a good season so last but not least jackson of course now the men's baseball um that one uh you know always uh, always a show and and like i told you off the podcast last time i went to a men's baseball game uh aaron judge was playing so i haven't been there in quite some time uh so uh what's what's the your overall opinion on the baseball team this year yeah you know i gotta admit i wasn't out there as much as i usually am during the the end of the Batesville era and um Last year, it was kind of intriguing to see Ryan Overland in as the interim coach. How was he going to do? Was he going to be able to earn the job? And he did just enough to really get that vote of confidence and be the guy. And more importantly, I think at the end of the year, it just felt like while they didn't get the job done, it left some confidence that this team was headed in the right direction, that they had a lot of good pieces. And the most encouraging thing is they've added quite a few more, both to the lineup and the pitching staff. They feels like they filled some gaps to – potentially be a team that makes it out of the mountain West this year. Um, First and foremost, they got to get to the tournament. It's only the top four make it. And seeing all four of those teams here in Fresno last spring for the tournament, it was pretty even. (laughs) It felt like anyone could be just about anyone on a given game, but uh, San Jose state was the team that got hottest and ended up winning the tournament. So uh, hopefully Fresno state can be that team this year. I really like the lineup and I really encourage people to go search out on barkboard.com uh, our Gabe Camarillo did a very in-depth preview of the team um, he talked to coach Overland and some of the new guys some of the returners and uh, there's a whole breakdown of what the lineup's going to look like <laughs> what the pitching staff looks like who's going to start what the coaches and players are saying you know what certain players have done to improve Murph Gray is featured in there too so uh, really good piece of content if you're looking for information about the baseball team and uh, the diamond dogs will get going on february 16th when milwaukee comes to town for a three-game series to open and um, i believe they'll be on the road for a little bit after that so 
uh, if you're jonesing for baseball, make sure you get out there that first opportunity in February. Yeah, that's uh, definitely um, – it seems like it's going to be a, a, a good season this year and uh, and probably an entertaining one, to say the least. Like you mentioned, they filled a lot of gaps uh, and um, could be putting a very good competitive team on the field this year. So uh, I definitely – I'm am very optimistic and and really probably want to take in some of those baseball games this year and just to just to see what it's all about and uh, if they start getting hot, um, you know, don't be surprised if Jackson and I start doing a little bit more coverage on baseball going into this season. So uh, just keep an eye out for that and as always, you know, go check out uh, any type of sports for Fresno State. Every little bit helps. Um, and uh, all of it goes towards the same goal uh, to that athletic um, uh, funds for recruiting and all of that stuff. So any, any every little bit helps. Um, and so, Jackson, that being said, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Yeah, and one of the other sports coming up not too far is football, technically. we got spring <laughs> practice uh, in March and April. Uh, there's not exact dates to my knowledge yet, but uh, we're on. We're not too far away from there, so that'll be big for us as well. Yep. Um, again, signing day is now come and gone, but we've got a lot of content coming on the class, so we hope to head to barkboard.com regularly and learn about these new Bulldogs coming in for the football team. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Fresno State uh, football, is, you know, as soon as spring break hits, uh, that's what we like to see uh i mean jackson's there like jackson pretty much lives there when when spring ball happens uh so uh you can always guarantee that he's going to have all the latest updates for you so uh with that being said when um if you're looking for jackson you can find him on twitter at jackson Moore 247 you can find me on twitter at red wave report uh head over to our facebook page give it a like and as always head over to the barkboard.com um, where we have both free and premium subscriptions. But again, the premium subscription is where you want to be. It's where you get all the latest news and uh, information that ne- doesn't necessarily make it out to the public. And of course, part of your subscription, if you pay for a full subscription, you get Paramount Plus as a bonus. And that is, uh, let's just say it is awesome, right, Jackson? <laughs> uh, there's so much going on on there. Uh, the latest Mission Impossible movie is already released on uh, on Paramount Plus. So there's a lot to take in uh, and 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 enjoy uh, with that little perk that you can get. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>